0: I want to, on behalf of the church, uh, once again thank the music makers and sunshine singers and all the leaders, all of the uh, children and music ministry workers who've had such an important part in, uh, in, in this wonderful year of learning and growing and experiencing the gospel through worship and leading us as well. I'm going to be reading in just a moment from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, if you want to be opening your Bibles. Before I read that, I'd like to lead us in a time of prayer, if you would bow with me. We thank you, God, for the witness of these children as they lead us and speak to us and speak for you. We thank you for the good news of the gospel and the people who first told us. We pray today that you would bless our church, that we would continue to be focused beyond ourselves. To that end, we pray your richest blessing and anointing upon our friendship singers as they leave on mission tomorrow, that you would bless them with safety and strength. And bless the receiving and giving of Christian testimony and all that they experience. Bless all of our mission trips this summer, South Dakota and Kenya, the youth trip to Alabama. We pray for our vacation Bible camp, that you might truly work in the lives of children, workers, and families. That your spirit might speak the power and the transforming blessing of the gospel into many hearts because of our work this summer. And God, today we pray for all of the people in Nepal suffering and struggling that you might speed the relief efforts, that you might comfort those in the time of loss and that you might teach us to be a human family as we reach out and care for them. Bless all who are suffering and struggling today and now open our hearts to hear this word from you that it might be a fresh word that your spirit might speak to each of us in a way that's personal and real and lasting. We offer this prayer and our full attention in the name of Christ. Amen. I'm going to be reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. I invite you to stand if you're able, and I'll read this scripture aloud as you follow along prayerfully and quietly and and reverently. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them the gospel of Jesus Christ for us. You may be seated. Well, we're launching a sermon series this morning entitled Family Strong. You see it there. Uh, We are thinking together about what belonging looks like through the eyes of God. So we're not just talking about biological family, although certainly that. We're talking about what it means to be a part of a family in the spiritual sense and and in the connectedness that we experience as human beings. Uh, what better place to begin that sermon series than this wonderful story of Jesus blessing the children? I want you to notice that the very first thing that happens in this story is that people are bringing children to Jesus for him to bless them. Now, rabbis in Jesus' day uh, usually were seated to do the uh, teaching. And I love this picture of Jesus uh, and the children. And uh, there are many... Uh, artistic depictions of that scene. This is a scene that was particularly burned in my mind growing up as a child somewhere in Maple Grove Baptist Church or in a family Bible. Uh, I remember looking at this scene and thinking how awesome it is, how wonderful it was that Jesus, the seated rabbi, is being inundated by these parents and family members as they bring children to Jesus that he might touch them. It's a powerful image that we're going to leave on the screen for a little bit for us to think about. Now, I want you to notice that the very next thing that happens in the story is that Jesus' followers, Jesus' disciples, thought it was their job to act as bodyguard, and they uh, began to be indignant, and they began to fuss at and scold the people for bringing these children to Jesus as if children were a bother and a nuisance. It's interesting to me that just like uh, we do, the disciples in Jesus' day, ingested uh, the culture around them. They, they, they somehow absorbed culture's attitude toward people and toward others who were weak and vulnerable. And like we do, they ingested what culture had taught them about children, because in Jesus' day, children didn't have rights. In Jesus' day, children were not considered significant. They were a bother. They were not valued. They were not considered uh, of importance and significance. In fact, about the time of Jesus' birth, historians now look back and date a document, a papyrus, about 1 BC from Alexandria, south of where Jesus was living in Egypt. But in the same time period of Jesus' lifetime, a document has been found in which a person wrote to his expectant wife at home, a wife expecting a baby, and he said, if it is a male, let it live. If it is a female, cast it out. That was, the, that was the way children were considered in Jesus' day. Now, the next thing that happens in this story is rather interesting because it was Jesus' turn to be indignant. He was indignant at his followers, at his disciples. And he says very simply and very strongly, when Jesus saw this, he said, let the children come to me, do not stop them. Let the children come, do not block them. Now, it's difficult to show up in the, it doesn't show up in the English, but in the Greek text, it reads staccato-like, machine gun fire rapid. There's no connecting conjunction, there's no connecting word, to, to make this sentence run su- smooth, uh, run in a smooth fashion. And so what you're actually hearing is probably some irritation and some impatience in Jesus who simply says, let the children come, don't block them. Very abruptly, very crisply, because he felt passionately about that subject and about the children. See, Jesus was trying to tell the disciples, you've missed the whole point of the kingdom of God. He goes on and he says, after he says, let the children come, don't, don't block them. For it is of such, uh, such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. It's to such of these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter. It's that simple. When you start having adult thoughts and adult ways, you get proud. You get full of yourself. When you become an adult, you want to do it yourself. And that's our biggest problem pride. That's what keeps God from working in our lives. Jesus knew that children offer and have a a trustful simplicity. There is this trustful simplicity so that there is not this resistance to what God wants to do in the heart. And somehow when we grow up and get proud, we think we have to do it all ourselves and be in charge, and we won't allow God to work. Here's where I think Jesus was going with this teaching. I think he was saying, children are capable of receiving love. And you know why that's news? is because when we grow up, somehow we start believing the messages of shame and guilt And somehow we start hearing the messages that we are not capable of being loved. But the gospel is that everyone is loved by God. And that we all must become like children and become capable of being loved and believe that we are worth being loved. And then to receive that love. You know, one of the verses I learned as a child. Was John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He came into his own, his own received him not, but to all who received him. did you hear that childlike language? Doesn't say anything about earning, working hard to achieve it. But to all who received him, to them he gave the authority, the right to become the children of God. It's that simple. And of course, you know that what Jesus was doing here applied to everyone, that that Jesus' attitude toward children is the same attitude he has to everyone vulnerable, everyone weak, everyone left out, everyone abused. So if you're here this morning and you feel left out, vulnerable, weak, abused, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And he wants you to be in a relationship with him. But I haven't even mentioned the best part. See, as delicious as it is that Jesus stood up for the children and insisted that they come, as delicious as it is that Jesus put them on his lap and he touched them, that in itself was significant in Jewish thought. He touched them. Mark is the only gospel that mentions that Jesus also blessed them. Did you know that? It's the only gospel. And see, according to Scripture, the reason the families brought the children is that so Jesus might touch them, verse 13. I don't know if you know this about Jesus, but Jesus always does more than we ask. That's just the way God is. He always gives us more than we ask. They asked that their children might be touched, and Jesus said, oh, I can... I can do that and I can do more. Let me go one step further. I want to bless them. While they're on my lap, I want to bless them. And so he blessed each child. He wasn't in a hurry. A powerful image and a powerful story. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Are there ways that we are blocking children, hindering children. And I mean by that as a culture, as a church, in your own nuclear family, in your attitudes, in your personal life. Are there ways we hinder children? Are there ways we are blessing children locally, through our community, through our church and through our families? Are we taking time to bless our children? And I want to be very concrete this morning because of this Family Strong series. I want to be very practical. And I want to suggest to you some very down-to-earth ways that we can, as a congregation, bless children. Here's the first one. The Pregnancy Help Center, one of our partners, an alternative for a time of unwanted pregnancy, to offer hope and life. And what a great way if, if some of us could volunteer or, or know what our church contributes financially and maybe even on your own do something more than that. Here's another one. South Elementary School. Uh, the mentoring that you can become involved in next season, next school year. Uh, other projects that we have going with our partner school in South Elementary. Here's another one, South Dakota. Is there a way that uh, you can pray for the trip that's coming up? Even if you're not going on the trip, can you pray for those who are going? Can you uh, begin to think and pray about God hooking you up with that South Dakota ministry in a way that you've not and bless the children? The next one would be Kenya, our, uh, our children, our love for children there and all that God is doing uh, through the lives of children, but then back to us. And, you know, we're talking holistic ministry here. We're not, we're not just talking about uh, helping children with basic life skills. We're talking about eternal care, letting them know about a Savior who has died for them and loved them, and, and yet at the same time not neglecting their educational needs and their material needs. It's a holistic ministry. And then I would like to also suggest that uh, you pray about being very generous in uh, relief Donations that you might make to Nepal. I read this week that at least one million children will be impacted in Nepal because of the tragic earthquake. That's either through death or the death of loved ones or losing their home or losing their, their uh, provisions and uh, the trauma, one million children in a relatively small country and the power of of us to bless. And there's one more. I want to show you this. Who can say no to that face? If our associate pastor of children and families asks us to help with child care in extended worship, asks us to pray about uh, helping in vacation Bible camp or helping with uh, teaching and leading in children's Bible study or uh, Choir or missions or some special project to really pray about ways that our lives can be blessings to children in ways that multiply our ministry through First Baptist Church, God's ministry through First Baptist Church. I was thinking this week as session winds down in the legislature just a a little ways uh, west of us. what would happen if Jesus of Nazareth walked into the Capitol and sat down, and children just started coming to him and started crawling up on his lap? Wonder how that would affect public policy in our state. Wonder how that would affect national policy if Jesus walked into the Capitol at Washington D.C. Wonder what, wonder how it would affect our church if Jesus of Nazareth physically walked in here, and the children just started gathering around him crawling on his lap, and we saw him starting to bless the children. I wonder how it would change our focus and our intentionality about our vision and dream and where God is leading us. And then I wonder this. I wonder how it would affect our faith sharing if we kept this picture of Jesus with the children in our minds all week long. Isn't it easier to tell others about Christ if we are telling them about a Savior who is so full of love don't we want people without Christ to know this kind of Savior? Don't we, not, don't we want people without the Lord to know about this Lord who loves everybody so much, especially the nobodies, the little ones? And I would also say there, there are probably people here this morning who are cynical about church and about faith. Maybe you're here just because of children's program or somebody drug you here or whatever, uh, and maybe you've been resisting church and Christ because there are too many hypocrites in the church or you've had a bad, bad taste in your mouth about church life. Or, or maybe you just, you're just not into the whole religion thing and, and all of the oppressive rules. I want you to just put all that aside this morning and I want you to just think about Jesus. Just think about Jesus. Don't you want to do life with a person who cared about children that way, who would invite them to crawl up on his lap, and he would bless them. Isn't that a person that you would want to get to know? Put all that garbage aside. Just focus on Jesus. Had a great uh, worship experience a few weeks ago attending a funeral. Uh, I was not officiating. I sat in the back. Uh, It was the mother of one of our members. And uh, I sat in the back and marveled as, as this 95-year-old woman was eulogized. And one pastor said, uh, you know, we'd always take the children uh, by to see her for Christmas caroling. And he said one time, uh, it took about 20 children by and we sang all of our songs and she was seated inside and she, she motioned for me after the singing was over. She said, now, you bring them all in, line them up, I'm going to hug them, every one of them. And he said, it took a while, but she hugged all 20 of them. And that was her legacy. Here's Rabbi Jesus seated. And he says to his disciples, get your priorities right. Line them up. I'm going to hug them all. And the best part You and I are in that line. Amen? Let's pray.